Well, good morning, Grace Life Church. I think I'm going to read uh, the scripture this morning. Usually we'll have somebody else come up. But uh, I want to pause and pray. And I want to thank Kyle for filling in for me last week. My family was able to go on a vacation. And uh, we were able to tune in as we were driving back. And uh, just really enjoyed the entire service. And thankful that uh, this church is not built around me. I don't have to be here. And uh, God has, has brought many gifted and, and skilled and servant-minded people here. And um, we're in our sixth year. If this is your first time to visit, we're, this is Grace Life Church. We meet in a high school. You're watching from home, and this is our sixth year. And it's a new year, and I'm really excited for what God has for us this year. It's been quite a ride already. And so uh, that, that drove me as I was praying about what to preach for this new year. And when I got back, really excited to share today. So let's just pause for a minute and pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together and read your word and consider your word and think more deeply about who we are, who you are, how we relate to you, what's going on in the world around us, and the hope we have, Lord of heaven, to look forward to. I pray you would open our eyes and help us to see the the beauty and the power of Christ in new and fresh ways. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're going to start in uh, Revelation chapter 21. So you can turn there. It's going to be where our scripture starts. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 8. Revelation chapter 21, if you have a Bible, you can flip that open. It's the last book. Or if you have a device, you can scroll to it, and we'll read from there. This is the Apostle John writing this. This is his revelation that God showed him when he was banished to an island for preaching the Word of God. Verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be, shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And that's the reading of God's word. Well, it's been a, a, a very challenging year, to say the least, hasn't it? And I think, honestly, unarguably, it's been a disappointing week for our nation. 
saying that America, uh, Americans are sad, angry, anxious, confused, and disappointed. That probably sums up everyone's attitude, regardless of where you stand politically. I think everybody would acknowledge that. But that's not unique. You don't have to just look at the last week to find disappointment, anxiety, worry, concern, maybe anger, frustration. That's everywhere. It's ubiquitous in every time and every place. But I was at my computer this week, and I just captured, because we're reading Revelation today and studying it, and it is a revelation. It's visually oriented. I'm going to use PowerPoint a little bit more than I normally do today. I just captured five screenshots of, t- of top news headings this week. We've done this before, but I think sometimes it's, it's helpful just to show you. So here we, here we go. Um, Python kills family's pet cat and prepares to eat it in a disturbing video. No, I did not watch that video. Man, my eyes are getting, are getting uh, weak. I can't hardly see that. New York man. Can you guys see this? If you're at home and, you, and we have an, an issue with PowerPoint, I don't know, I'll read this. New York man injures 10 in wild rampage with tree branch, police say. Here's another one. U.S. sees five deadliest days since COVID-19 pandemic start in last two weeks. Are you encouraged yet? Oh, there's more. Hang on. Two more. Four dead. This was early. Now it's five, I think, right? Five dead, police injured, uh, dozens arrested after siege at the U.S. Capitol. And no, I'm not going to say anything about that. That says enough. So those are just five, those are just five uh, slides from the last week. Five slides just from the last week. That was in my news. And I could go even further back. In fact, I'm going to for just a minute. Just take... 2020, what are, what are some summarizing slides for 2020? All the drama that we've experienced, here are some pictures that are out there for summarizing this past year. That sign, man, I want that to go away so badly. <laughs> that's, that's like a drone view of New York Central Park. They've got circles drawn around for, for separation. The fires in California, the I can't breathe a protest that followed George Floyd's death, having to dig new massive graves around the world. That picture sums up a lot right there. Two people facing off with guns in each other's face, screaming. And then a lot of people who, who died alone in hospice, not able to see or touch their loved ones. So whether it's wildfires, hurricanes, pandemics, racial tension, political upheaval, election problems, post-election problems, And now, just weeks into 2021, even after a vaccine has been produced and administered, we're being told to hunker down and not expect too much from 2021 because more trouble's coming. Now, look, why am I telling you all this? You're like, Pastor, isn't this church? Yes, it is church. And here's why I'm telling you this and showing you this, because I'm your pastor and I love you. And I don't ever want you to think that this is a place where we come in And we hold hands and we close our eyes and we collectively stick our heads in the sand and pretend that everything's awesome in this world. Because it's not. It's not awesome. And here's a spoiler alert. Are you ready for this? It's not going to be awesome here, ever. There's little bright pockets and, 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 and spots of joy when a new baby is born, when we celebrate a victory, or many other things. But it's not ever going to be everything's awesome here. It's not. 
because this planet is fallen. It's broken. It's cursed. Because of man's sin, we see the effects of that everywhere we look. Every relationship, every home, every flawed leader and and morally fallen spiritual leader that you see. There was a headline locally that came out earlier this week uh, that a pastor at a church was caught, caught with child pornography on his computer. And that's not new. That happens all the time. And it breaks your heart to hear about it. So today I'm going to talk about something that I don't think Christians talk about enough. And and I'm going to talk about heaven, and here's why. If you're like me and you're searching for hope, (laughs) are you? Are you searching for hope that you can anchor your life on that will like help you leverage your life to go out there and and be a part of of Christian-based change? And it's got to be a hope that, that, that transcends a vaccine or a stimulus check or something else. It's got to be better than that. And God knows that. He understands us. So I'm going to talk about heaven today from one of the most powerful and I think underused passages in the Bible. The whole book of Revelation was written to persecuted Christians who were losing their life for the cause of Christ. They were being beheaded. They were sewn up in animal skins and thrown into a coliseum. They were lit on fire in the Emperor Nero's garden so that he could have... Uh, lit up entertainment, and they were given this glimpse of heaven, not so they could check out and escape, but so they could leverage their life for change and be faithful witnesses until the very end. This is the revelation that God gave them through John, and I think we underuse it. It's made for a year like 2020. (laughs) It's made for a week like we just experienced. So I may preach twice on this. I don't know. This may be a part one. We'll see. So here's a preliminary point before we get into our outline. Preliminary point, our hearts long for a happy ending. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Don't they? I don't care if you're a Christian or not. Something about epic happy endings resonates with you. It does. And here's why. Because God has put eternity into our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3.11. We're made in God's image and, and... resolution is part of our DNA. We want it. I don't know if you're like me. When there's not resolution, I get really antsy. I need closure, right? I want people to kiss and make up and hug and things to be better. And so often we don't get that here. So God gives us this. This is like the epic happy ending. We all want good to triumph over evil. Even if we all disagree on what good is, (laughs) we still long for that, don't we? We want new life. Who wouldn't rejoice to see disease or a pandemic or death or deformity disappear forever? Who wouldn't want that? You have to be pretty messed up to reject that. No more SIDS, no more cancer, no more AIDS, no more mental illness, no more famine, hunger, pain, no more suffering, no more crime, no more addiction or substance abuse or any of that. Who wouldn't long for that and celebrate that? Who wouldn't want to live forever with no more pain? Did you hear the passage that I read we're going to talk about? No more tears. I mean, even Ozzy Osbourne, I'm sorry, I know these things. Ozzy Osbourne wrote a song called No More Tears. Don't think he's like the poster child for Christianity, right? Even Ozzy knows, right? We want that. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to argue. I don't want to have to walk on eggshells. Do you? Nobody does. Our hearts long for a happy ending. We ache for this. 
No more corruption. No more scandals or crime or stealing or killing or lying. You know there's not going to be any police officers in heaven. I'm sorry, chief. But you'll celebrate that, won't you? <laughs> or hospitals, doctors, nurses. No more. Who doesn't yearn for a place that's untouched by pain and by sorrow? I do every day of my life. And so often I'm a part of the pain and sorrow that people experience here. That's the real aching part of me that longs to be free from the bondage of sin and decay. No, no more deadly tornadoes. I mean, even the creation is broken and groans. Tornadoes, brush fires, landslides, sinkholes in Florida, gators dragging children into ponds, bear attacks, pythons eating cats. I mean, if you, everywhere you look, you see the effects of sin and the fall. This whole planet is corrupted. Our bodies are corrupted. No more wars, invasion, bombs, acts of terror. Who doesn't long for world peace and justice and for the mask-wearing mandates to go away, right? And I get it. I know it makes it safer sometimes. <laughs> or political bickering <laughs> and racial tension. Even unbelievers know that this world is not right. Have you ever met an atheist or an agnostic that enjoys oppression and injustice? No, you haven't. I was at a conference once where R.C. Sproul was answering a question and somebody said, you know, my brother-in-law is an atheist and it's hard to talk to him about Christianity and I can't even get him to acknowledge there's a standard. What do I do? And R.C. Sproul said, steal his wallet. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> even an atheist likes honesty when it's his money, right? Why is it that people who reject Jesus at the same time can protest injustice. It's because we know that things are not supposed to be like this. We long for this passage I read. Even if we disagree with the Bible, we long for heaven. And we ache for it and we dream about it. You know, the author for my favorite books, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, the author J.R. Tolkien, he, he once said this. He said, there is talking about the New Testament, the story of Jesus. He said, there is no tale told that men would rather find true. Isn't that interesting? To reject it leads either to sadness or wrath. He's right. We need this. And we'll get it somewhere. That's why this, the books that like disappear from the shelves and the movies that are blockbusters these days are ones that had these epic, you know, over-the-top storyline, plot, resolution, and happy ending finale. That's because God's put eternity in our hearts. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And that's true. We were. We were made for this world. That's the title of this message. Made for a better world. So what kind of world is it? Three points and then we'll, we'll be on our way. And uh, I, I lost my phone in this building somewhere this morning. So I have no idea what time it is or how long I've been talking. So I apologize in advance. If you find a black iPhone in the bathroom or something, just, just give it to me later. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, so made for a better world. Um, so we'll, we'll get to our outline here. here here's, here's point number one. I think I, I skipped the outline slide. Yeah, maybe I did. Point number one is this. This better world, yeah, thank you. This better world is true. This better world is new. And this better world is holy. Those are the three operative words 
uh, really in this passage that we read about this revelation that John had of a new Jerusalem, a restored planet, really, like this garden city, and it floats down out of heaven. And uh, we're only going to look at the eight verses here. But first, this this better world is true, and you, you may have to help me up there with the slide. It's, it's uh, I think it's verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. See, when you read this description or you hear it, about a restored creation, a restored resurrected body, nothing vile or unholy or corrupt, you think there's no way. This is like a this is like in a galaxy far, far away or once upon a time. This is just another fairy tale. And God knows we've been deceived so often, or and I'm not throwing rocks this morning, but let's just let's just be honest. How many books have been written by people who have died and gone to heaven and then came back and they wrote a book? And for $9.99, you can read about the revelation. And then a couple years later, it comes out, no, I, I just was greedy. And even some publishers are pulling those books. That's happened so often that people hear about heaven, they're like, yeah, 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 heard that, been there, done that, no thank you. God knows the, the propensity we have to disbelieve astonishing truth. So he said this, write this down, John, for these words are trustworthy and they're true. You're not going to be deceived to, to read this and to believe this. This is from the one who's seated on the throne. He's the one making all things new. So that's the first thing that we need to know here, is that this author felt the need to include that, hey, this testimony is true, and it's reliable, and it's from God himself to John to us. It's inspired, and it's recorded. I'm so thankful that was written down. You know how many people this passage has given hope to? Aren't you glad John didn't keep this to himself? A little bit later, God says, don't seal up this vision. Unleash this thing. (laughs) That's why I believe Christians don't talk about this enough. This is one of the only passages that says, don't seal it up. Unleash it. Man, talk about this till the cows come home. What day of the week do you not need to hear that this is our future? So many people are like, oh, 2021 is going to be terrible. It is. But listen, life is a vapor. And before long, this will be our reality right here. And that doesn't mean, well, good, I can go and hunker down and somebody tell me when Jesus comes back. No, no. This is the very same truth that drove people when the Cyprian plague came out in, I think, 450 AD. Everyone else was leaving Rome and all the Christians were flooding Rome, caring for the sick, the dying, the wounded. And they knew it was a death ticket. They knew we're going to get this plague and we're going to die, but that's okay. That's our home. And God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. This hope, man, can like fill you with courage. 1 John 3.3, it says, We are God's children. We do not yet know what we will become, but when He appears and we see Him, we will be like Him. Therefore, whoever has this hope purifies himself even as He is pure. What John's saying is, in another epistle, same author, he's saying this hope that I'm telling you about, man, this has power. Put this hope in your gas tank, fill it up, and see where your car goes. (laughs) I think we need this more than we ever have. Another reason we disbelieve is because the effects of sin are so pervasive everywhere we look. It's so tempting to say, yeah, that's just wishful thinking. That's never going to happen. Thomas Watson said this. He said, we are more sure to arise out of our graves than out of our beds. 
I wish I had faith and hope like that. Honestly, last night you're, you, you tucked yourself in. Were you more certain if somebody asked you and gave you a truth serum, like, hey, 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 are you more convinced that you're going to wake up in the morning or that you're going to rise out of your grave one day? Which one? I'd have to be honest sometimes and say, I'm more sure. Of course, I don't know. I got six kids that could, <laughs> I may not wake up, right? <laughs> Jesus wants us to know that we can trust him and he's good for his promise. You say, okay, but how do you know? I'm glad you ask. You know why we celebrate on Sundays? You know why we meet the first day of the week? What's special about Sunday? Do you know what happened on Sunday? The resurrection. Amen, brother. That's right. Saturday's not even the Sabbath. Sunday's the Sabbath now. Jesus rose out of the grave just like he said he would on Sunday, the first day of the week. And every time we gather together, it's a reminder, even if we don't talk about it, just the fact that we're here is that, hey, Jesus said it would happen and it happened. And I'll go even further. I'm going to, this would be maybe part two of this message. The fact that Jesus walked out of an empty tomb and didn't float out, he had a resurrected body. Do you realize what a statement Jesus was making? I'm going to reclaim this physical material creation. I'm not giving it up and saying, well, to heck with material and physical stuff. We'll just have this ethereal, wispy, angelic, floaty existence up in the cloud somewhere. That's what most people think heaven is. I just can't get excited about that. I'm sorry. Can you? <laughs> One day we're going to go and float around in the clouds and play a harp and sing. It's going to be an eternal sing-along in the sky. I'd rather go to Disney World in the summer than that. I'm serious. I'm not being blasphemous. What I'm saying is that's not what the Bible says heaven is. It says, this is what heaven is. A new city, a garden city, floating down from heaven, restored creation. It's going to be amazing. Jesus even told his disciples the night before he was crucified. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. How long did it take for God to create the world? Six days and on the seventh, he rested, right? How long has he been preparing a place for us? 2,000. Can't wait to see it. It's going to be something else. I'm serious, guys. I, I could do backflips right now and I'm 45 thinking about this. You'd have to come scrape me off the floor, TJ, but I could. I want to run around here and yell, but you'd, you'd flip out. That's how excited I am about what heaven's going to be like. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the new holy city. And you know, people have said this city was built on the, the, the backs of the, the, the... This holy city was built because of a slaughtered lamb. That's the only reason any of this is possible. We didn't earn this. We're not going to create this. We tried to build our city, Babylon, Right? rising up from the ground, and it crumbled, and it was judged by God. This city comes down from heaven, holy, uncorrupted, unstained, unsullied. Whew, it's going to be something. Uh, point number two, this better world is new. Can I get the slide for that? Did I, I think I put two slides up for that. Um, no, the passage, the next passage here. I can. Yeah, there we go. New and former and no more are three phrases in this passage. New, 
Former, the former things are passing away and then no more. So let's read this together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Don't worry, fishermen, I'll tell you what that means in a minute. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. In the next slide, two more verses here, I think. Yeah. He will wipe away, oh my word, think about it. Guys, just imagine this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They will have eyes. We will have new bodies, okay? <laughs> and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Not better, not recycled, not going to get my toolkit out, see what I can do with this. The word restoration is powerful and beautiful. You know, as a construction, I have a background in construction. Do you know how much more challenging it is to restore something than it is to just demolish it and build something new? The fact that Jesus walked out of his tomb, I see, I've wrestled with this for a long time. I thought God's just going to scrap everything and just start over. And there's certainly elements of destruction when you read 1 Peter. The elements burn up like a fire, and, and there's judgment, definitely, that's coming. But it also says God's going to restore this planet. And, and one of the best illustrations I have for what that's going to mean, it's mysterious still. I really don't, don't fully understand it. Is that when Jesus walked out of the tomb, he had a new glorified body, right? But it was still him. <laughs> And he had the holes in his hands and the scar in his side. And he ate food just to prove that he wasn't a ghost or a phantom. So somehow God was able to use Jesus' body. It was still Jesus, but it was restored. It was new. And I think the same thing is going to be true of this planet and, and our bodies. They're going to be restored somehow. They're going to be better. They're going to be resurrected, immortal, imperishable, undefiled. And, and I, I don't think we can understand that in the same way that Henry... Ford couldn't understand the new 2021 Lexus. Can you imagine telling him heated seats, uh, automatic parking, <laughs> black leather? He would have been like, huh? Or can you imagine telling Alexander Graham Bell about the new iPhone 21, 2021? Can you tell him? Well, it's a, hang on, Alexander. You're going to want to sit down. Okay. So this sucker here, this has got a phone. It's a phone, but it's not, people don't use it for that. It's got Wi-Fi. What's that? Just hang on. <laughs> Can you imagine the games, the apps? He's like, I could have never imagined. We can't either. No eye hath seen, no ear hath heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God gives us hints because he knows we need this. I need this. You know what? Even if you don't, I'm just preaching to myself, and you're just welcome to listen today, all right? I, I need this. This world is new. The former things have passed away. I was telling Sarah on the way here, can you imagine somebody that has PTSD, and, and many people do, especially uh, war veterans. There's a place in Isaiah 65, and it says, 
they will remember the former things no more. If you had PTSD and you were longing for heaven but thinking, I'll be there, but man, I'm never going to forget some of the stuff I went through. Yes, you will. Yeah, you will. It'd be all things new. You'll never cry. You'll never be sad another day in your life ever. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine going 24 hours without just a smidge of sadness. I can't. And God knows that. And he tells me, do you understand what Jesus purchased for you? See, I think evangelicals in the church, we've done great with uh, creation. This, this has been like the, the storyline for world history. Creation, fall, redemption. And we've stopped there. And it's like, I've been forgiven of my sins. And that's amazing enough. We could celebrate that and we will for all eternity. But there's this one other word we've forgotten and it's restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. God's going to restore everything. You think God's going to just walk away and say, well, I tried with the world. It didn't work out. So I guess we have the clouds. There's always the clouds and the harps and the angels, you know. No. When God created this world, he pronounced it very good. Very good. (laughs) And then sin corrupted it and defiled it. But God doesn't just redeem, he restores. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to restore this entire place. The king is going to reclaim his fallen creation. That's what Jesus purchased for us. And I don't think we're able to wrap our minds around it. I certainly didn't grow up hearing about that enough. That's why when I thought about and heard about heaven, I yawned. I thought there's so many other things I want to do first. Have you, be honest. Have you ever thought that? I want to go to heaven and all, but I'd like to, and I'm not judging you. I'm, and there's a very real sense to where God created us to maybe some people want to get married or some people want to go to this place or that place and experience this. But let me encourage you. The reason I think we had that clause, I want to go to heaven, but it's because that thing you want to do first represents a thrill, a satisfaction, a, a, a fulfilling of a longing that you think heaven can't touch. My son asked me the other day, he said, Dad, are we going to hunt in heaven? I said, son, I don't know, but I will tell you this, because there's no death. I mean, you know, it's kids ask the craziest questions, right? I don't know if you're going to be able to shoot an eight-point white-tailed buck in heaven. I don't know, but I will tell you this, Jackson. Whatever thrill or adrenaline rush you got from killing a deer and then us eating it later, you're not going to be disappointed in heaven, I promise you. I promise you, on this fallen, cursed planet, that little tinge of joy God gave you to go with your uncle and your grandpa hunting and shoot a deer, that can't touch what's going to happen in heaven. It ain't going to touch it. Can't touch this. Promise. Not even going to... It's going to... The first second you see the face of Christ, every earthly pleasure you've ever had will pale in comparison and melt. Do you believe this? It's what the Bible tells us. I know the cars are stacked against me to show up and in 40 minutes, 45 minutes, okay, to try and convince you otherwise. I get it. I know that. I'm going to start preaching on heaven every year. It'd be a different sermon. Don't worry. I'll make it different. I'll trick you. You'll think it's different, but it's reworked. (laughs) My wife told me this morning, she said, you know, we almost tend to, to view heaven as defeat. Really, it's like, okay, the world won, we'll go to the clouds kind of thing. We do. We think of heaven as a, as a consolation prize. Yeah, you know, Satan, Satan got the creation, but here you go. Here's some clouds and a golden city or something. This is what Randy Alcorn, he wrote one of the most amazing books on heaven ever. And he said this, 
In order to get a picture of heaven, which will one day be centered on the new earth, you don't need to look up at the clouds. You simply need to look around you and imagine what all this would be like without sin and death and suffering and corruption. Whenever we see beauty in water, wind, a flower, a deer, a man, a woman, a child, we catch a glimpse of heaven. Just like the Garden of Eden, the new earth will be a place of sensory delight, breathtaking beauty, satisfying relationships, and personal joy. Now, do you believe that? I think that's amazing. And I also believe that most of the passages that talk about heaven in the Bible were written in a way to combat this heresy called Gnosticism. When John wrote Revelation and 1 John, Gnosticism was a prevalent uh, worldview that people had. Not even, you didn't have to be religious to have it. Most people believe that all physical matter was evil and that the goal and the purpose of life was to escape everything material and physical and tangible and to become spiritual. And one of the reasons John includes all the descriptions he did of this city and these gates and these emeralds and rubies is to combat that. That was a heresy. Now, here's what we think. Oh, how primitive and archaic. Bless their hearts. They just didn't know, did they? They didn't know any better. I'm so glad we don't have that view of heaven. Oh, really? Well, let me show you the two images of heaven that you get first when you Google it. Are you ready for this? Here they are. How many people are excited? You want to go? You want to go? I mean, seriously, talk to a kid, say, to an honest kid and say, would you rather go there or Planet Obstacle where they have a trampoline park? Which one? I've got six kids, I can tell you. Developing an appetite for that is like developing an appetite for gravel. I'm just going to be honest with you because we're in church. I can't get excited about it. Or here's another one. This is a little bit better. It's a golden city. But I mean, you know, wipe your feet first, please. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know. Can you imagine walking into a golden room and being like, I'll just, I just left my fingerprint there. Oh, now I got dirt on the floor. And I don't know, man. There's something so clinical and hysterical about that. You know what I mean? Read Revelation. Read about what the, the, the trees of the fields clap their hands. The wolf will lay down with the lamb. There's all these images that God gives us of what a river runs through the middle of it. There's trees on either side. The fruits will be, the leaves of the fruit will be the healing of the nations. And there's thrones and dominion and countries. And it's going to be incredible. In fact, let me, I do apologize for all these PowerPoint images. My seminary professors would slaughter me if they knew I was doing this. But I want to show you, this is, would we all agree the planet that we live on, there's, there's pockets of beauty, but it's cursed and it's fallen. And God's going to restore all of that when he returns, right? But check this out. Just, just, just a few images I want to show you. Is that pretty? Is that prettier than the, than the cloud picture I showed you earlier? Would you rather go there or the clouds? Okay, check this out. How about that? Looks like Iceland, doesn't it, Thoden? A little bit? No? Huh? Look at that, this massive cedar in the redwood forest in California. People are, look like little ants at the bottom of it. I mean, I know that there was some, some... I tried to get things that were purely untouched by man, but obviously some men and women probably planted that. But look at those. These are unfiltered pictures as far as I know, okay? Lavender fields. I mean, man, there's just a striking beauty that pierces your heart when you see this, isn't there? Is it, be honest, does this create an ache, a longing? Like, wouldn't you rather be there than sitting right here right now? I would. I mean, with you with me, you know, but. 
Look at that. Who wants to go swimming in that? I mean, if you do that here, like, are there gators in there? There ain't going to be no gators in the water in heaven, okay? I mean, if they are, they'll be tame. You can swim with them. It'd be, it'd be really cool. I'm serious. There will be. Check that out. Look at that, man. The, the mesa, the desert. Just beautiful hues and colors. And, oh, I just want to go dive in that and swim around. Don't you? The, and the reason I show you that is <laughs> just to challenge you a little bit. That's a cursed fallen planet. And that's just a picture that some people took that were really skilled at what they do. Do you really think that God's going to let that outdo what he's been preparing for us for 2,000 years? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we've been... I, the Bible. There's a part in the Bible that says that Satan blasphemes God's name and God's habitation, which is heaven. Do you know what Satan wants you to believe? It's very subtle. He wants you to believe you got some clouds and a harp waiting for you and a choir robe maybe. Okay, it's waiting for you up in heaven. Can't wait, right? <laughs> if that was what I believed, I'd be like, man, let's eat and drink and be merry right now. I'm going to squeeze all the pleasure I can out of this life because I just can't. And I'm not trying to be mean, guys. I, I've probably preached sermons about clouds and harps. I don't know. But the Bible has so much of a, of a more enriching uh, view of, of the life that awaits us. I preached the funeral for one of our elders' dads here uh, yes, yesterday. Not here, but Cliff Patterson. His father, Kenneth Lee Patterson, passed away. I think he was 68 or 69 years old, and, and he uh, succumbed to cancer. And I preached his funeral, and we went to the graveside, and they lowered his body into the ground. And his family did what some families will do at a graveside. They all took a fistful of dirt and a flower, and they threw it on top of the of the coffin. And he served in the Navy, so the military was there and they honored him as a veteran and played the is it taps or whatever the song is and we read some scripture and I was just thinking when I got to the funeral they were looping which they'll often do at a memorial service they were looping slides of his life from his birth childhood married life he had a bunch of kids and and it, I felt like it was beautiful it was well done I felt like man I, I had an idea who this guy was he was a hard worker when he was younger he was healthy he had this strong lean body showed him with his shirt off at the beach showed him hugging his wife they were young they were healthy and then his hair got gray and then he gained some weight and then he got sick and he got old and now we're at his funeral and we lowered his body in the ground and I thought I just couldn't help because I'm a weird guy and at a funeral I'm thinking we're at the graveside and I'm thinking one of these days one of these days, because this guy trusted in Christ, he was a Christian. One of these days, when Christ returns, this body is going to burst out of this ground. And it's going to be, D.L. Moody said, one of these days they're going to tell you D.L. Moody is dead. He said, don't believe it for a minute. I'll be more alive in that moment than I've ever been. One of these days, that body's going to burst out of that ground. And I mean, you just... It's the lie of the afterlife is so pervasive. You look at something that Hollywood does, like a Stephen King movie, like Pet Cemetery. you know, you bury a pet and it comes back and it's like messed up and tries to kill people and eat people. Or a zombie apocalypse, the undead, the half-dead, the walking dead, or something like Gollum with rotting flesh hanging out. The best Hollywood can do when something comes back from the grave is like, ugh. But when we get our new resurrected bodies... The Apostle Paul wrote an entire chapter on what our bodies are going to be like when they're resurrected. That's how much God cares about you and I cultivating this anticipation. I can't wait to see my new body. I mean, I'm 45. I need a new body right now. <laughs> I, need, I need an upgrade, man. They're going to be imperishable, 
uncorruptible, immortal. They'll never be weak or tired. They'll never get sad or get angry. Anyway, one of these days that body's going to burst out of the ground. All the Christians are going to burst out of their graves, and I can't wait to see we're going to be like Christ. It's going to be amazing. Restoration. Restoration. Johnny Erickson taught us, said this, Heaven is not some never-never land of thin, ghostly shapes and clouds. No way. We shall touch and taste, rule and reign, move and run, laugh, and never have reason to cry. By the way, she's been in a wheelchair most of her life. Maybe years ago, I assumed heaven was a misty, she writes, nebulous home for angels, but not now. I get tickled thinking about how rock-solid heaven is and how much more of a home, much more so than earth, it will be. That's what the resurrection tells us. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, and behold, I am making all things new. I'm so thankful, man. Heaven's not going to be like a Craigslist, gently used, (laughs) you know. We saw an ad once, my wife and I did. It said, mattress, like new, slight smell of urine. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) some (laughs) people... I told you I lost my phone, guys. I have no idea what time it is. I could talk about this all morning. <laughs> Listen, Christ's salvation does not, just, does not just save our souls. And that's enough, isn't it? I mean, wow, we're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're atoned for. He doesn't just save our souls so we can escape the pains of a cursed planet and get out by the skinny skin skin of our teeth. No way. He's reclaiming this planet, and we're going to be a part of that. The final goal is the renewal and restoration of the material world and the redemption of both our souls and our bodies. Most other religions view salvation as an escape from physical and material matter, including our bodies. Christianity is unique in presenting salvation as a transformed soul in a resurrected body on a restored planet. Whew, I can't wait. Listen to some of these descriptions. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The child will play at the den of the viper. Anybody want to let your toddler play with a viper right now? That's why God has to give us pictures that rattle us. There's not going to be any danger. I told you I would explain the no more sea. In the Bible, the ocean represented this dangerous, unpredictable, uninhabitable threat to people. It was unexplored, unmapped. People went out there and disappeared forever. And the waves were tumultuous, and you didn't have, you know, weather.com, so you couldn't tell when a tsunami was coming or when a hurricane was coming. The ocean scared them. And when he says no more sea, he's saying there's nothing wild, uncontrolled, unpredictable, or uninhabitable in heaven. So I'm sure if you want to surf, God will let you. (laughs) He can do that. There'll be new life, new hope, new beginning. Sin and death will not have the final word in history. So here's the third and final point. Not only is it uh, true, a true world, and a new world, but it's also a holy world. Look at this last part. It says, To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, 
Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You know what's interesting whenever it says, I saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city coming down from heaven to earth. Are those two words, do they belong together usually? Holy city? (laughs) What do you usually find in big metropolis cities? Crime, poverty, prostitution, sex trafficking. I could go on. You see that even in little cities, but it's just when a multitude of people get together, it's usually for not for good, right? Cities used to be a place of refuge where people could come for safety and for rest, and now it's a place that's riddled with crime and violence, and it will exhaust you. Talk to the people that go to New York or Nashville to make it big and see how tired they are and empty and guilty. This is a holy city where there's no violence, there's no death, there's no corruption, there's no crime. It's no longer a city that rejected Jesus and cried out for His crucifixion. This is a city where He is on His throne, ruling and reigning, and He'll be worshipped forever. And that doesn't mean you'll wear a white choir robe and play a harp in the clouds. Your whole life will be one of devotion and worship to Christ. It should be now, but we just fall so short, don't we? And we're so limited. And our face with so many disappointments. But then we will have, we'll be liberated from sin forever. We'll be freed. We can live a life that glorifies God the way we were supposed to in the garden, but failed. This is going to be a holy city. We've tried to make problems. We've tried to make cities, uh, but that's what we've done. We've made problems. We've tried to make cities where these things disappear, where there's unity and there's civility and but we couldn't. We can't. God has to do it. He says, behold, I am making all things new. This is a place of community and culture, but the kind that honors Jesus Christ. That's going to be the difference. And you say, why a city? Because sin has isolated us from God, and it's isolated us from one another. Honestly, when I used to think of heaven, I used to think, okay, if heaven is uh, like the woods or a forest or an, an exotic Paradise Island. That'd be cool. I'd like to go there by myself. <laughs> Sorry, I, lo- I love my family. I love, I love you. Um, but are you like me? Sometimes you're more like, man, I just like to chill for a while. I have some me time, you know? That's because sin has so, because relationships are hard. There's conflict that's unresolved. But God gave us a city and a, a garden city. It's a city with like a garden in the middle. I'll talk more about that next time maybe. But we've been We have been separated because of sin from one another. We have all these issues, but God's going to restore even that. There will be a city where we come together. It's holy. It's beautiful. It's it's a place that we can celebrate together. And there's no sinners there, just saints. Now, I want to clarify something here, because you could very easily read this and think, okay, well, I get it. It says there's not going to be any cowardly. There's not going to be any faithless, detestable, no murderers, no sexually immoral, uh, no liars. So I'll try really hard to be courageous, and I'll try really hard to be sexually pure, and I'll try really hard to be honest, and then maybe, maybe I'll squeeze in by the skin of my teeth. That's what people think about heaven, right? But I want to tell you something. Jesus does not say this is a reward for perfect people, for good people. He doesn't give the water of life to people who are good. Who does He give it to here? Who, who, who is it? To the thirsty. So I want to ask you a question today. Are you thirsty? Not just for this, but for righteousness, for forgiveness, for cleansing, to be whole, to be restored again. 
Are you thirsty for that? Do you long for this? My, my wife, Sarah, did the opening here today and said, to all who are thirsty, to all who are weary, to all who are guilty, to all who are exhausted, Christ offers himself. See, that's the best part of this holy city. You know who's there? Jesus is there. It wouldn't be heaven if Jesus wasn't there. He says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's what blows me away. You would think that God would say, okay, you, you know what? I'm done with all of you. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a restored planet. Just go. Get away from me. Can't tolerate you anymore. That's not. God says, my dwelling place is with man. The crown jewel of my creation, the pinnacle. I'm going to restore him and I'm going to live with him forever. And not only will sin that's unrepented of go punished, it will be quarantined from this new creation. It will have no place here. This will be a holy city where the thirsty and the repentant and the humble came in through the merits of Christ, not their own. Isn't that beautiful? Man, I long for that. That's hope for me because I'm not good enough to get into heaven and neither are you. (laughs) None of you and, and none of me. We'd be so, if I read this passage and it says, now be good, try hard, do better. That's not Christianity. That's every other religion in the world. So thankful. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. So how can we live in a holy city? How can we enjoy the presence of God forever? How can we celebrate the absence of pain, death, sorrow, and judgment? How? Because Jesus endured the reverse of all of those things. He suffered from the separation of God. He suffered pain and torment and judgment and wrath and betrayal. He suffered all of those things so that you and I could be restored again and could be put right with God and can enjoy Him forever and could enjoy one another. That's the hope and the promise of heaven that we have. Do you know Him? Do you have this hope? Do you have this assurance today? Don't you want it? Don't you? Are you thirsty? I would end with that. Are you thirsty? Then God's trying to get your attention. This is, this is just the icing on the cake, heaven is. Knowing God, Jesus says, I came so that they may have life more abundantly. You don't have to wait, friends, till you're on your deathbed to start thinking about the merits of what Jesus did for you. He wants you to have them right now. Your life can be so much better. And I mean the quality, just the joy, the things that you're hoping in. You can tether your, your hope to something that's so much more uh, transcendent that can never be taken from you. Well, let's pray. Thank you for being patient. I don't know how long I preached, but uh, you guys are amazing. So let's pray, okay? Lord, thank you so much for this day, for the people you brought here. I trust these are the people, Lord, that needed to hear this message. I know I needed to hear it. I needed to preach it to myself. And there's so much more that, that we can dig so much deeper, even in the passage after this, and we will. Thank you for what you did for us, Lord. Thank you for showing us, even as amazing and astonishing as forgiving us for our sins, Lord, and and giving us a new heart. As astonishing as that is, there's even more. There's even more. You're going to give us a restored planet, Lord, with beauty and wonder and pleasure and joy that's forever. And we're just getting started, Lord. The church should be like heaven on earth. We should show the world what heaven is really like, relationally at least, Lord, a place where we can belong and believe, forgive one another, walk in the light, Help us to do that this morning, even now, as we consider what we've heard. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.